Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in, and history. Host Joe Gaona covers topics like apologetics, worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how you live your Christian life. See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com Joe, where is that magnifying glass? How you doing today? This is Joe with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And we're here today to weigh out truth on a scale and see if it makes sense in your worldview, whatever worldview you hold to. We want to look at history, archaeology, and the reality that we live in, and some philosophy. And as we weigh it out, does your worldview make sense? And today, we're going to start a few weeks where we will talk about the canonizing of Scripture. Where did the scriptures come from? Where did the Biblia, the Bible, the book really in Latin, meaning the book, where did it come from and how did we get it? And and does it make sense, the Bible that we have? Can we say that it is reliable and that we do have the documents that were first handed down to us? And so we will be going through this for three or four weeks, talking about the canonizing of Scripture. Uh, we will talk about the apostles, the apostolic church, and uh, um, many other events that took place in history. Well, today I kind of want to talk about how it all got started. And first of all, I want to bring up a couple verses that we could keep in mind while we're talking about the events that actually took place in history. So I first want to turn to John twenty-one twenty-four, And these are the apostles, the ones who were walking with Jesus, and they made a claim. They said, these are the testimonies, or I am a witness. And so we're going to read a few of these verses as we go along. And here it says, John twenty-one twenty-four. John, this is the disciple who, who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. So he knows that the testimony that he's writing down, and this is the gospel of John. This is the apostle. And he's saying, I wrote these things down and we know that it's true. And he goes on to say in first John one, one, this is the same apostle, John. He says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. And then we have Peter, second Peter one 16. Peter says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were I, witnesses of his majesty. 
And then we have again in 1 Peter 5, 1, he says, The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then we have in Acts 1, 21, so one of the men who have accompanied us, and what happens is they found out Judas Iscariot hung himself. He was the betrayer who betrayed Jesus. So they needed another apostle. They needed to have 12. And so this was what they needed, and they wrote it down. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So they are the qualifying guy who would take their place was a man who was from the beginning when John the Baptist baptized Jesus all the way up into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to take notice of that because we're going to get in to the history, the history account of the first century. And I want you to see that these guys were, they touched, they felt, they saw. And what did they feel? What did they touch? What did they see? What did they hear? So just for a moment, I want us, at least for this week, to take a step back and look at the first century. Rome ruled the world, and the Jewish people had not heard from God or the prophets for 400 years. The exile of the northern and southern kingdom of of Israel. There was complete silence when it came to God and the prophets. That's a long time when you're used to God speaking to the nation of Israel periodically for almost 3,000 years of history. The Jewish men and women heard stories of a baby being born. I want you to think about this when we talk about the disciples. Here they were, late 20s, 30s, 40 years old, and um, they heard of these stories. They heard what took place. They were probably very young when a lot of these things took place when Jesus first came into history in a manger. And... Because they all didn't live in the same area, they heard stories about these things. They had people who were eyewitnesses to the accounts that were taking place. And here we find out that during this time as Jesus was being born in Matthew 2.16, then Herod, who Herod the Great, when he saw that he was being deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all that and all the and all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So they heard of these stories that this king has been born in a manger, and that Herod the Great were told by the wise man that this is the king, the Messiah, and here Herod uh, makes them go out and kill all the children two and under. Now, when Herod was dead, so while this was happening, we are told that an angel, a Lord, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take your child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek your child to destroy him. So now Herod is dead, and behold, the angel, Lord, appeared to to a dream to Joseph in Egypt. 
Arise, take your young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. So here we have it. Jesus, it's almost been about 30 years. It could have been anywhere from 27 to 30 years since the incident. And the last thing on these fishermen's mind was what Genesis 12 had said. You see, Genesis 12 had said, I will to Abraham, Genesis 12 had said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. They didn't know exactly what that meant. They knew all their families, all the Israelites would be blessed. But they didn't know what God was intending when he said all the families of the earth will be blessed. They more than likely never thought that the first covenant would give away to a new covenant that would be established. And we have this in Exodus when God spoke to the Israelites. Now, therefore, in Exodus 19.5, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. But we find now, that they more than likely weren't thinking about these things. And they were thinking about this Messiah would come to rule the world and he would be king over all the world and it would be a kingdom that would be established forever. And we know that John the Baptist in Matthew 3.10, as he's talking to Israel, he says, now therefore... He says this, and even now the axe is laid down on the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree who does not bear good fruit, and the bear, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, that by the works of the law no one should be justified. So now they're hearing John the Baptist as he comes in as a prophet. He's saying it's not enough to just be Abraham's uh, descendants, but the axe has been drawn. Now you must bring good fruit worthy of repentance. You see, they didn't see that by one seed that Jesus said, and this is why Jesus said this, by that one seed of Abraham that would bless the world, that Jesus told us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, a proclamation now to the whole world. And here these apostles, these disciples were hearing it for the first time. Again, it was told to us in Jeremiah that they were warned of this. It says, Behold, in Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, but my covenant which they broke, Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days, said the Lord. I will put their law in their minds. I will put my laws in their mind and write it on their hearts, and it will be their God, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. 
Here we go to the second half, and I hope you stay with us. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85% of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. Join Creation Fellowship's and T's Apologetics Speaker Series Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. 1 Peter verse 3 chapter 15 says, To always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Creation Fellowship's and T's brand name Apologetics Speakers will do just that. Equip you with the knowledge and tactics to explain your Christian faith. Get equipped Thursday nights at 6.30. Learn more on Facebook and YouTube at Creation Fellowship's and T or email creationfellowshipsantee at gmail.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona on K-Praise. How you doing? Here we are in the second half of the Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And we're going to talk about how the manuscripts got canonized. But we're going through history and we're seeing how these apostles felt, how these disciples felt. And we were talking about a new covenant in the Old Testament. The prophet Jeremiah had told them that there was going to be this new covenant. And when we get into Galatians, it says this, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that it might be justified, that we might be justified by faith, But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So that new covenant, the first covenant that they had was a tutor of the law that would bring us up to the New Testament. And now that tutor was going to bring us by faith uh, to the cross, justified by faith. And then we have another verse here that talks about this new covenant that's going to take place in Ezekiel 11. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statues and keep my commandments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. That's Ezekiel eleven nineteen. So this is what it was meant to be born again, to be a new person in Christ Jesus We're just beginning to understand as God would begin to reveal to us his plan. And I know to these fishermen, to these apostles, to them, they weren't even considering all these things that are going to start taking place in the next three years. So in Jesus' ministry, it was during the time around the age of 27 to 30. So that was like 27 to 30 A.D., maybe 27 to 33 AD, that the man Jesus of Nazareth would begin his ministry. And Jesus, when he was baptized, it says that he went straight up out of the water and the heavens were open in Matthew 3.16. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting 
was upon him. And right after that, it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and nights. I want you to see this picture. Jesus has been growing up since a child. And as he's growing up, he's getting to a point in his life, almost 30 years old or probably 30 years old, they baptize him. And as John the Baptist baptized him, he comes up out of the water and then he's taken to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted. And this is where Jesus's ministry begins to be made known throughout all Jerusalem and Judea. And so we find that the fishermen who all, you know, all the men of the Jewish people, they always tried to give them an occupation to have so they could uh, raise up their family and have a, a job that they can do for their families. And so we have to see this, that Jesus comes out of the desert He begins to do all these signs and wonders and miracles, healing people left and right. His name is getting known, and here he is walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he's walking on this shore. He sees these fishermen. He sees Mr. Zebedee. Zebedee was the father, and they're mending the nets. And here inside Mr. Zebedee's was his two sons, John and and his brother James, and they were partners. They were partners with Peter and Andrew. So Peter and Andrew had their boat. They were out there mending their nets. John and James was mending their nets. And here was Jesus beginning to talk to the people, beginning to talk with authority. And they were at the Sea of Galilee as they were mending their nets. And at this point of time, when he gets done talking to the people, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, throw out your net, throw it over the boat. And he goes, he goes, Rabbi, master, I was fishing and toiling all night. It's good. There's nothing out there. And he says, just throw it off out the boat. And so Peter does this, and he throws it off on the side. And all of a sudden, there was just tons of fish within the net that it would fill up both boats full of fish. Think about this. They've been hearing about this Messiah. They didn't know he was the Messiah at this point. They were hearing things about him. And then he came over there, and he did this to Peter, and Peter just fell to his his knees, and he was just going, man, I'm a wicked man, because he knew who who he was standing by. And it says that Jesus looked at him, and he says, no longer will you be fishers of, of fish, but you will be fishers of men. And he said, come and follow me. And it says right then they threw down their nets and they began to follow him. This was James and John and Peter and his brother, Andrew. And as Jesus went out into Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. I want you to think about what these disciples were thinking. Here they were, they heard that the Messiah was going to come and rule the world. And here's this Jesus. He comes out and he begins to heal people. I know, I'm assuming, but I bet you the two things they're thinking of, who is this man? And is he better than Moses? Does he do more than what Moses has ever done? And two, 
Is he really the Messiah? Does he walk and talk and act like the Messiah, like the, the, the Christ, the anointed one he's supposed to be? It says that Jesus' fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were af- afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who had epileptics and paraleptics, and he healed them all there. So then Jesus, after he does all this, and his disciples are following him, remember they got three years to see what Jesus is and what he's doing, and if he's the Messiah. And we see that Jesus, after this, he goes back to his hometown, Nazareth. And as he goes to Nazareth, he goes as it was his custom on a Saturday to go into the synagogue. And he goes into the synagogue with his disciples, and he's sitting there in the synagogue. And the guy there who has the scrolls, Uh, who's supposed to hand out the scrolls to rabbis. He hands the scroll out to Jesus. And Jesus grabs the scroll and he stands up. Now, they didn't choose what part to read. They open up the scroll and they begin to read. And this is what Jesus read when he opened up the scroll. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover the sight of the blind, to sit at liberty, those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. No doubt everyone in that synagogue knew that this was a scripture of the Old Testament, talking about the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And it says that Jesus sat down, and as he sat down, like most rabbis would do, he's supposed to talk about a little commentary of what he just read. He hands God the guy back the scroll, and as it looks, as he looks to the people, it says that they all looked at him. He handed him the book and gave it back, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, Luke 4.20. And Jesus looks at them, and he says this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Think about that. One of the first prophecies that Jesus accomplishes that was foretold of the Messiah, here Jesus is telling them that it has been fulfilled today, and it says that within them, they were grunting, and they were heated up, and they were pricked and thorned, and it says that they grabbed Jesus, and they took him outside, and they kind of dragged him out to the end of the cliff, and they wanted to throw him over, and somehow Jesus was able to escape, but they didn't want to believe that this was Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. I wonder what his disciples were thinking, especially John and Peter, What were they thinking at this time? We're told a little later on in the story that as they come up to the mountaintop, it says that after six days, Peter, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother. So he takes the same three guys and he 
leaves the other disciples there, and he leads them up a high mountain by themselves. And there on top of that mountaintop, he was transfigured, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And they could see there, Peter, James, and John, they can see Moses and Elijah appear to them talking with Jesus. And it's here that Peter answers and says to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let me make three tabernacles, one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you, because he knew Moses and Elijah. The symbol of Moses and Elijah was the Ten Commandments given by Moses and the greatest prophet Elijah at the time. And here Jesus was talking to them, standing before them. And here he says, can I build a tabernacle? And suddenly a loud voice came out and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And I want you to see what the disciples were thinking about as we get to the second part next week as we talk about how the Bible got canonized. This is Joe with Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. That's a take. And this has been Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. 1530 Apologetics is vigorously setting the pace to give easy answers to hard questions in the culture we live in. So be sure to join Joe at this same time next week for more biblical principles to help you intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, the reality we live in, and history. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise.